It's hard to imagine a better start to the season than going 2-0 and outscoring your opponents 98-6 to in the process, but that's exactly what Notre Dame has done so far in 2023, but they've got a big test ahead of them on Saturday. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Irish. Today is Tuesday, September 5th, and I hope you guys had a great Labor Day weekend, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. My name is Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and have been covering college football as a producer ever since, first at ESPN and now for Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. That's a promise. In just a moment here, I'm going to be joined by my good friend and former co-host Luke Smith to go over everything we've liked and disliked from the first two games of the season before we turn the page to the big matchup against NC State that's coming up this Saturday. Obviously, there's been a lot more to like than dislike so far in these first two games, but we covered it all in this episode, and we'll have you covered here on Lockdown Irish with a new episode every weekday all season long. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast so you could stay up to date on all of our coverage. Okay, let's talk to Luke. All right, I'm here with Luke Smith, and we're bringing back one of our old segments that we used to do after every Notre Dame game, and it's real simple. We each share three things we like and three things we don't like from the game that just happened on Saturday, but since we didn't get a chance to do this immediately after the Navy game while I was in Ireland, we're going to combine the first two games for the sake of this episode. So we'll go one at a time here, and Luke, you can lead us off. All right, first one, uh, and I think this applies to both the first games, taking care of business, sticking with that, that's something I like. Um even throughout the Brian Kelly years that were entirely consistent, especially towards the end, there were some ugly, ugly wins. And to start the year with two dominant wins to a grand total of 98 to six winning, that's refreshing. And and I don't care what the level of competition is. That still just feels really good to not have to worry about, Oh, we're sweating out Navy in week <laughs> one, or we're sweating out Tennessee state in week two. I, although I guess that should be reversed. It should be week zero in week one, but you get the point. Uh, that's just a little bit refreshing and, and to be able to take care of business like that, it shows that we're well-prepared and, and that's something that I definitely appreciate. Yeah. The level of preparedness by the entire team of both those games uh, has been really impressive and credit to the entire coaching staff, because as I've been watching all these other teams play in week zero and week one, there's been a lot of sloppy football out there. Even with good teams going against far inferior opponents, there's dumb penalties like false starts, dead ball fouls. And to Notre Dame's credit, they just haven't had a lot of those yet up to this point. And again, yes, they were going up against Navy and Tennessee State, but still the fact that they weren't making those mistakes uh, has been really impressive. And a big reason why uh, I think they've been clicking so well on offense is because of their quarterback. And that's the first thing I have. But there's already been so much said about Sam Hartman and, and what he's done for the team so far, but it really is crazy having a legitimate adult play quarterback <laughs> in college football. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network tweeted this out, I think after the Navy game. He said, Notre Dame's starting quarterback is three years older than the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. And that really is jarring when you think about it. Anthony Richardson is three years younger than Sam Hartman. And we know that Sam Hartman is very talented, but I think we underestimated the value uh, of his experience. And he doesn't have quite the natural ability that like a Caleb Williams or a Drake may has, because if he did, he'd already be in the NFL. But 
He's arguably the most experienced player in all of college football playing the most important position, and it, that is a very evident in every single play uh, that he's on the field. It is. I mean, look, that's part of the reason why I still like him, and I think I've said that on this program before, is that when I was a senior in college, he was a freshman. So I watched Notre Dame play against him at Wake Forest, and that at least <laughs> makes me feel not quite as old, even though the reality is he's a very old college football player. And I think Notre Dame is is seeing that, you know, reap, reap in the right way for them so far, and that's how this might turn out to be a very good marriage. You have an old, old quarterback in a program that is otherwise pretty loaded at, at every other position. And, and they finally have a guy that knows how to play the position. And, and frankly, even going back to Ian Buck, who was a guy that we both liked, it just wasn't the same feeling. I don't think always that, that we're getting right now. And, and we'll see next week against NC state, how that looks against the a legitimate opponent. But so far it's, it's been really impressive to see. Right. And when uh, Hartman talks about his relationship with Marcus Freeman being more like big brother, little brother, it makes sense. <laughs> It might. I feel like to some people who are older, they're going to be turned off by that. They're going to be like, that should not be the type of relationship with a coach uh, and a player. That's a little bit old school. But like Sam Hartman is not a normal player. He's a six-year senior uh, playing college football. So it makes sense to me. And, uh, and I think so far up to this point, uh, that relationship has been working really well so far for the Irish. It has. Uh, and, and you're right. When I read that quote, I was like, wow, I uh, I just can't imagine a time in history in our lives where that's been the case between the Notre Dame head coach and the quarterback. But but that actually kind of brings me to my next point or, or thing that I like. And, and Marcus Freeman seems a lot more sure of himself. And, and granted, I know it's been Navy and Tennessee State, but he's been showing fire at the right times. Uh, and he just seems like he knows what's going on now. And if you reflect back on a year ago at this time, I don't know that that was the case. He kind of looked like he was a deer in the headlights at times when he started his career 0-3 as a head coach. Now he seems very sure of himself, and he knows when to get the team going and, and really when to work the officials, and, and I think that that has been a massive key so far, even though these games have not been competitive. Just seeing a guy that looks a lot more comfortable out there, uh, that's that's a big upgrade. We started to see it a little bit in training camp when that video surfaced of Marcus Freeman before the practice telling everyone on the team that there's going to be a winner and there's going to be an effing loser. And I had never seen him in that state. Now we had sort of heard before that they're like Marcus Freeman behind closed doors is very old school and he'll get on your ass and all that stuff. But then when you actually saw that video, especially on a day of practice, when everyone in the media was in attendance, I was like, Oh wow. He's starting to be a little bit more comfortable and start to show himself a little bit. And now it's happening more in these games because last year it almost felt like he was like worried about how he would come across and not being too hard in the officials and still kind of having that stand up GQ look and reputation at all times. That's starting to go away a little bit. And I'm excited because I'd like to see him uh, in his natural element. And we're starting to see that a little bit more. Definitely. And and I know that we'll eventually get to maybe some element of that old school style that you don't like, but personally, it, it seems like he's kind of coming into his own with that. And, and I think that that's really important and, and something that'll pay dividends as we start to play some real teams, uh, because let's face it, the last two weeks, there was not a ton of competition here. And, and that's frankly what I'm just happy to to be moving on to now, playing in NC State in what should be a very hostile environment next week uh, down in Raleigh, a place we haven't played in in almost 10 years. It's been seven years, which is kind of wild or, or hard to believe, but that'll be fun. Having a, having a coach that's comfortable, a quarterback that has played NC State 
five times or whatever it is and and just seeing how that goes um i'm excited to have a coach that's comfortable in his own skin going down to that environment definitely and it's going to be a test for the entire team but i also think it's going to be the first big test for Jared Parker as the offensive coordinator. Cause that's my next point here. I I've loved what I've seen from both coordinators so far, uh, especially Jared Parker, this being only, I guess he called some plays at West Virginia. We'll probably never know the full extent of that situation. It seems really bizarre. I don't know what Neil Brown has got going on over there in West Virginia, but so far everything we've seen from the offense has been great. Um, I've liked the play calling so far and I also think that Al Golden, for as much criticism as he received during the offseason about his recruiting chops, I think he's been excellent through two games. We've already heard about how Notre Dame has had to adjust on the fly against both teams they played so far because both teams were in their season opener and they threw some exotic exotic looks at Notre Dame that they just had literally never seen before on tape. And And Golden always says that if you wait until halftime to make adjustments, it's too late. And he's shown in these two games that he can adjust mid-game on the fly, and then the defense can react uh, and execute based off those adjustments. And so far, that's been that's been great for the Notre Dame defense. And yeah, having some very experienced linebackers certainly helps with that. But I think Al Golden deserves a ton of credit as well. He does, and and that'll be very curious to see then next week, right? Because we know that NC State struggled a bunch um, against UConn on the road this week, but. Who knows what they were really showing? Who knows what Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I are actually going to look like against real competition? Not the, I mean, I guess UConn is better than they typically are, but but nonetheless, you'd like to believe that they probably didn't show everything this past week. And so can he have those same sort of adjustments if, if NC State shows them something Saturday morning that Notre Dame didn't see on film? Um, that'll be that'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah, and if, if NC State really puts up a battle against Notre Dame. I'm going to start betting on UConn every week. <laughs> They're fighting Jim Morris. Let's go Huskies. Hey, they made a bowl game last year. Uh, who says they can't do it again? <laughs> they really did. We'll be right back with Luke Smith in a second, but I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you about Bird Dogs. You've heard me rave about Bird Dog shorts before in the podcast, and I'm here to do it again because they're truly the best in the market right now. Not only do they make you look better, they're way more comfortable than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. So not only can you wear these shorts to the gym, you could wear them on the golf course, out to lunch, really wherever you want. So go to birddogs.com slash lockdowncollege or enter promo code lockdowncollege for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdowncollege for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. All right, what do you got next? So as far as, as what I like, that's that pretty much tops it off um, because I, I kind of feel like, you know what, uh, the first two weeks, it was what it was, uh, and, and now I'm happy to be moving on. So I, I can move on to what I didn't like unless you have anything else that you want to talk I about. I do have one more. Like. Yeah, I do have one more. And I think Notre Dame's depth throughout the roster is better mm-hmm. than it's been in years. I'm not saying that this is the best Notre Dame team in years, but – if you look at each position group, there's not that many where depth is like a real serious concern. Or I guess a better way to phrase that is the drop-off from starter to backup is not yeah. as drastic as it used to be. Outside of quarterback, I still, you know, if Sam Hartman gets hurt, that would be very bad and the season could go a much different direction than it has right now. But every other position, 
you're like, okay, you don't want to see injuries happen, but it's more so like, okay, if the starter comes out, you're not like, oh God, here comes, right. you know, insert player X. And so far in these first two games, which have both been blowouts, Notre Dame has been able to rotate those guys in a lot. And even in garbage time going up against inferior opponents, I've been like, wow, like that player really flashed. Like Josh Burnham, for example, he's been all over the field. And when he comes in, he's really exciting to watch. And he's not even a starter. He's not even technically the first backup, if I'm not mistaken. So Seeing guys like that get real action uh, early on in the season is very important because injuries are going to happen. These guys are probably going to come in when we wouldn't necessarily want them to, but it's it's also an opportunity for them to shine. And I've just been really, really impressed uh, by what I've seen from the reserves. I totally agree with that. And and that's something that I've picked up from just having conversations with Notre Dame fans. It it seems to be something that everybody has noticed is that, wow, the drop-off is really not there. And and I think that's a testament to – especially on defense, the job that Marcus Freeman and and Mike Mickens have done recruiting over the last couple of years, they've really built up uh, an impressive roster. And and I think that's awesome to see. Yeah. And you mentioned cornerbacks. Just think about this. When was the last time that Notre Dame's deepest positions on the roster were running back and corner? And I would even include wide receiver to some extent as one of the deeper positions because they rotate so many guys and I feel comfortable with so many of them coming in. Now, granted, we found out um, on Tuesday that, or excuse me, on Monday that Matt Salerno uh, is going to be out for extended weeks. So maybe that they won't go as deep in the rotation. Maybe it'll tighten up a little bit more, but still the fact that they can bring in so many guys and whenever they make plays, you're not like stunned by it. It's really crazy. And we always talk about that playoff semifinal game against Clemson when Dante Vaughn came in. Like, I don't think we're going to be in a position uh, like that this year. Exactly. And and thank God for that, because I never want to relive that that instance again. No. And, and hopefully Dante Vaughn's dad doesn't have to hit you up on Twitter anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, South Memphis. Shout out South Memphis. But yeah, that 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 was an all timer. <laughs> Do you want to elaborate on that? Because I don't think everyone listening uh, knows that story just yet. The story goes that almost two years ago, exactly today, I was at the Clemson, Georgia game. Um for the Dukes Mayo classic kickoff and Justin Ross was supposed to make his return to action after a couple of years off. And I saw him warming up and I, I tweeted something along the lines of Justin Ross back in uniform for Clemson somewhere. Dante Vaughn weeps and his dad found the tweet somehow <laughs> and replied, ain't no crying here, bitch. South <laughs> Memphis hashtag, whatever the area code for South Memphis is. But so all the respect to Dante Vaughn's father there, because I, I was not expecting that one. Yeah. I love that. He was still searching Dante's name, like years after his playing. He career graduated. Yeah, yeah. Just, just in case anyone was tweeting about him and it turns out someone was, and it was you. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to the things we didn't like, and let's just get this out of the way now. There isn't a ton to choose from, so some of this is going to be a little bit a little bit nitpicky, but this is the segment, and we're going to follow through with it. So it's what haven't you liked from the first two games so far? Yeah, mine are much, honestly, more high level. Uh, and I'll start with just playing an FCS team. Uh, as far as playing an FCS team goes, I think Saturday was pretty cool. I did not go to the game, but it sounded like the Tennessee State crowd was phenomenal, and, and their band was too. However, the game just could not have been less interesting. Um, I'm totally cool with giving HBCUs a platform they typically would not get. So I give both Notre Dame and Tennessee State a ton of credit for really turning this into uh, an awesome just event of a weekend, you know, doing panels, talking about 
different opportunities that HBCUs offer and, and just really kind of making that a thing. But unless we're doing that, there's no reason for Notre Dame to ever play an HBCU again. Um, that was not a contest. And frankly, if it wasn't an HBCU, I'd be pretty pissed because we already get criticized enough for not playing a conference championship game. Why hurt yourself even more by by playing a non-FBS school is kind of my take on that. So the way that they did it, I, I think it worked out fine, uh, and I think it was cool. But if we're not playing an HBCU, there's no reason to do that again. Yeah, I get that. That game was not the most exciting one ever. And even though there were some benefits to it with seeing the backups get time, it was basically like an exact – not. I don't want to say it was like the spring game, but it did sort of feel like that because, I mean, at least they were trying hard and they could hit the quarterback. But you're right. It just wasn't very exciting uh, at the end of the game, and it was basically like watching a scrimmage at some point. So I, I get that. For me, and like I said, this is a little bit nitpicky. My first thing has been special teams as a whole. I think Marty Biagi's unit has been a little shaky through two games, albeit in limited opportunities. Uh, 0 for 1 on field goals. They did give up that 52-yard kickoff return against Tennessee State. Although, other than that, I think Spencer Schrader has been good uh, at kickoffs. But that one, they did a squib, and then they they just gave up a few lanes, and then Tennessee State had a big return. If if that was against a better team, that probably would have been taken back for a touchdown. So, obviously, that can't happen. And Notre Dame did have a fumble on a kick return on a play that could have been targeting Um, I mean, we could debate that all day, but that's not really the point. The point is that last year, Notre Dame had Brian Mason, who was the best special teams coach in all of college football. He leaves, he goes to the NFL. There's a lot of expectations for Marty Biagi, and so far, it's been a little shaky. Plenty of time to make up for that, but hasn't been great so far. I think that's fair. Um, We also should note they did block a kick, so that that is something. Um, But you're right. I I think that there there remains – things to be desired there, especially, I mean, it sounds crazy because Sam Hartman has scored touchdowns on 11 to 12 drives and the 12th drive is a missed field goal. But I, I would like to see the ball go through the uprights on a kickoff just or on a kick on a field goal, just, just to know that that can happen. So I, I get that there. Yeah. Cause there will be a point this season where Schrader goes out for a very important kick and our heart rate is going to be through <laughs> the roof. And I'd like to have seen him, Make one before that happens. And it could happen this weekend. You never know. It could. Um, and I will be there this weekend uh, down in Raleigh. So that, that'll that be fun. But um, my next point that the thing I don't like is that I actually did have to miss that home opener. And that was my first home opener miss since 2008, believe it or not. Since Notre Dame played a Brady Hoke coached San Diego State uh, back in 2008. So it's been quite some time. Uh, one of my good friends from high school got married. It was a lot of fun, but this is a reminder to all the listeners out there. Do not get married on Labor Day weekend. It's just selfish. <laughs> and or I'll any fall weekend. Yeah, but especially Labor Day. It's just selfish. That's so funny. Well, I guess if there was a home opener to miss, yeah, this would be the one. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool. I didn't even realize you were going to Raleigh this weekend. When do you head over? Uh, quick in and out, uh, flying down Friday morning, uh, going to the game with my brother who lives down there and then I'll be back home to Chicago Sunday, but, uh, should be a fun game. So excited for that environment see what that's like. You weren't at the hurricane game in 2016, were you? I was not. So I've not been, I've not been to a game there before. Oh, well, I can't wait to hear about, uh, the atmosphere and all that. Cause it is a noon game, but we've heard a lot about how NC state people get after it. Even with the early kick. Right. Have you been to a noon kickoff before? 
Yes. Uh, actually, uh, I went to the Notre Dame Wake Forest game when Sam Hartman was starting for Wake Forest five years ago. So it's weird. I don't like, I mean, it's great on TV because it it's like I have nothing else to do and it's fun to watch. But actually being there, just, I don't know. It feels strange, especially if you're trying to tailgate hard and get after it before the game. It'll be a good way to beat the Heat down in North Carolina. So I'll take that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. My next one, you kind of already alluded to it. I'm not a fan of Marcus Freeman's celebration policy. And if you are unaware, apparently Marcus Freeman has a rule that a player must hand the ball to the official after making a big play. And he strictly enforces that rule. I'm surprised we never really heard about this last season, but we've already heard about it in back-to-back weeks. It started with Jadarian Price, and it was really on display this Saturday because... After Jeremiah Love scored his first touchdown, he sort of slammed the ball into the turf. It almost looked like a spike. Like, that one was kind of close to being a flag, so I can maybe understand why Marcus Freeman was chewing him out after that play because that's exactly what he was doing. He chewed out Jeremiah Love after scoring his first ever touchdown. And then he chewed out Ramon Henderson after he made that incredible interception for doing the same thing. He just sort of slammed the ball in the ground. And you can actually see on the replay other Notre Dame players chasing after the ball to give it to the officials. So clearly this has been uh, a point of emphasis from him and the coaching staff. And like, I'm not advocating for the players to be like disrespectful or anything to the opponent. Maybe this is just a generational thing, but like, I just think it's silly for the coach to ruin the moment. Um, especially for a player like Jeremiah Love, who's literally so excited. He scored his first college touchdown ever. And you kind of ruin that by laying into him and, especially in the case of Ramon Henderson, like that wasn't even close to warranting a penalty. So I don't know. I just think it's a little over the top. I understand it's old school. It's very Jim Trestle, but I don't know. I'm just not the biggest fan of it. So you hit on both of my rebuttals to that. One, I was shocked we didn't hear about this last year because I was like, I, I've never heard of this uh, until last week when the Jadarian Price thing happened. But two, you're right. It is very Trestle-esque. So I don't hate it for that reason. Um, I think that it's just more Marcus kind of putting his imprint on the program. I get that it might be annoying, but I really don't have a problem with it. And you know what? Whatever. Um, just just keep the guys on. The standard is the standard, so to speak, <laughs> whatever the hell we want to call it. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I get that. And I guess maybe I'm more annoyed about like the reaction by Marcus when a player doesn't do this. Cause if it's, if it's the rule and he's like, like, Hey, Jeremiah, you know, great play. Just remember to hand the ball to the official. That's one thing, but he was laying into him and Ramon Henderson. Now Ramon Henderson, he's older. He's more experienced. He probably should know better, but I don't know. I just felt kind of bad for that. But I guess the counter to that would be that was maybe close to a penalty in which case, yeah, you kind of got to get on him. Yeah, and like I said, the standard is the standard, right? So as long as he's consistent, I guess that's all we can really ask for. That's um, true. So that, that's kind of how I feel about it. He really is a young dude and an old soul. Like He is Jim Trestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't hate that because that guy had a lot of success. So, so go figure. Um, my last thing I don't like here, Notre Dame has – they're 2-0. They've outscored their first two opponents 98-6. to and Sam Hartman, like we said, has scored on 11 touchdowns of, of 12 drives. He's looked incredible. And for whatever reason, we have all these Notre Dame fans out here talking about Brian Kelly. Who cares? I, I'm just so sick of this. Like, it's like, hey, we have an awesome team this year with an awesome quarterback. I know LSU got punked last night. We all watched that game. Shout out to Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis and, and Keon Coleman. That was a very impressive performance. But – 
why are we still talking about Brian Kelly? I could not give less of a crap about the state of Louisiana right now. Focus on the Irish. Like it just comes off as the busted up girlfriend who's pissed that her boyfriend now found a new guy. Like it's just it or sorry, found a new girl. Like it's just <laughs> it's not it's not worth it. And I'm just like, why are we still having this conversation? It's almost been two years. I was a little surprised by how many people were still on it. Cause yeah, I've, and they I've pull up some before. quote and I'm like, okay, he's literally saying it's just easier to win at LSU. Yeah. And yes, I realized they lost last night, but you should not be offended by that. Like there's just, there's nothing to be offended about by that quote. Yeah. I do think he sort of, <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't want to say he has a punchable face, but he has a very like people love. To I understand he's not likable. I yeah, that's the thing. That. He's not likable, yeah. so he's easy to pick on, kind of. Um, yeah. Do you think that if Alabama were to lose against Texas this weekend, do you think that there would be a similar reaction uh, to seeing Tommy Reese fail in that scenario? Well, yeah, if they score like ten points, then yeah, I do actually. I do think there will be a very similar reaction. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I guess you, I just you're forgetting it. how insane this fan base is. <laughs> like, hey, we, we have an hey. Aw- we have an awesome team this year. Like, who cares? One thing about this fan base, we do hold grudges. And I'm ser- I'm certainly responsible for that as well sometimes, but not Yeah, I'd not rather so hold those calories. grudges against Michigan, you know, coming out with a four and doing that stupid formation that they did to start that the game. That was ridiculous. Like, not teams that we literally don't play. But who cares about that? I, I don't know. It's just yeah, I'm a little bit over it, and let's focus on the good that we have going on in our own yeah. you know, program right it, now. That, it takes all of us. That. We all need to be locked in to NC State. People, yeah. are looking, people are not focusing on the main thing right now. Okay, my last thing, and this is definitely a hot take, um, and this has to do with the Navy game. I don't like Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. It was the one thing, my one complaint – from the entire trip to Ireland, is that I felt obligated to drink Guinness because when in Rome and when in Ireland, right. and I did at some point each day. Notre Dame has a partnership with Guinness, and I just I couldn't get myself to like it. I mean, I understand why some people do, but personally, I just think it's flat. It's like kind of warm. I'm not a huge fan of the taste. So again, I know this is this is not going to be something that most people agree uh, with, but. I just, I don't like it. And that, that was sort of the one thing I didn't like about the Navy game is how much Guinness I drank. So I I won't go that far because I do enjoy it, but I will admit like it came to a point where I'm like, I, I got to stop drinking these beers. I know that they're lighter, but it just, it feels gross at a certain point. And that's honestly how I felt about all of the drink and cuisine in Ireland. I'm like, there's no green <laughs> in the diet over here. Like Dude. this is just too much for me. Like I feel awful. No. I need to get back to the United States. <laughs> The irony of Ireland is that green is like their color. They're, you can't eat a single grain no, in the entire terrible. country. I was like, by the end of it, I was there for like a week. I was desperate for, I don't know, a piece of lettuce or broccoli or something. Yeah. Because as, I mean, again, love Ireland, best country ever. There's a lot of good food there. Good shepherd's pie, great beef. But like, you know, a vegetable would not hurt. <laughs> No, no, they, uh, oh man, I'm still kind of recovering. I think a week and a half later. Yeah. I'm, I'm in somewhat of a meat and potatoes detox right now. And one other thing about Guinness, it's not great on the stomach. No, <laughs> I, I can't, 
tell you how many people I talked to saying like my stomach is really messed up from that that last week. So you're not wrong. And everyone everyone was drinking Guinness, and some people love it. Like there's gonna be some people listening to this right now who are like, you are out of your mind. Guinness is great, right. and I I even agree that it's better in Ireland than it is in the states, but it's still not that good. <laughs> I think that's totally fair, honestly. I, uh, I do enjoy it, but I can only have so many of them. So I think that's a very fair take. All right. Well, I feel like that's a good place to end on, and I should clarify that we're in a good place. If the <laughs> if the third biggest thing that I didn't like from Notre Dame's first two games of the season is the beer that I had to consume while I was watching them kick Navy's ass in Dublin. I feel like we're in a good place two games in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, things are high, and uh, I'm excited to, to see us play a real team next week. All right, that'll do it uh, for this one, Luke. And then I can't wait to talk to you next week once you're back from Raleigh. And hopefully we're talking about a 3-0 Irish team. Absolutely. Sounds great. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. For the everyday listeners out there, tomorrow we'll officially turn the page to NC State and start previewing that game the rest of the week. Also, this is your reminder to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast and follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler W O J C I A K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.